When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black, the only show on the internet where we discuss the things that matter, like space lasers, uh, 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 dragons, the Ukraine, maybe, you don't know. And um, the fourth season of the television event, Stranger Things on Netflix, we have seen in its entirety ahead of time. Hello, Martha. Hello, Christian. Hey, Christian. Hello, Terry. Hello, everybody for joining us. And hello, Daniel Roman, my um, uh, ever-reliable co-host. How are you doing today? I am doing excellently. I've been super obsessed with Stranger Things this past week, so... Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I, I'm coming to you. It feels like I'm coming to you from the upside down. So all's right. Maybe. How have you been? How's life? I've been really good. Um, yeah, we watch a lot of Stranger Things lately. Of course, we're going to talk about all, talk about all of that. No spoilers. We're going to do a non-spoiler yeah. review of the fourth season of Stranger Things on the Netflix. But we are going to hit a couple other big stonking topics before that, including the trailer for one, four, four, Love and Thunder, the next big Marvel cinematic movie after the last big Marvel cinematic movie came out. God, was it like two weeks ago it came out? And now it's already old news. I think it might be it. Um, Daniel, should we play the trailer for Thor, Love and Thunder yep. and give our, give, our, give, our, give our thoughts? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And thank you, Martha. I appreciate that. All right. So that's it. Okay. So Thor, Love and Thunder. Big old MCU movie coming out, important. We have Taika Waititi returning to the set. We have Chris Hemsworth rocking some kind of 80s t-shirt vest gear. We have the Guardians of the Galaxy. Daniel, do you want to see this movie more or less after you have seen this trailer? Uh, I mean, of course. I want to see it more after seeing this trailer. Um, I, I feel like they kind of busted out a few of the big guns for this trailer. They're like, we need to show them a little bit more of Natalie Portman. Here is uh -huh. the mighty Thor. We need to show gore. We're going to see in a second. So yeah, I'm stoked. What about you? Are, are you looking more or less forward to this now? I, uh, more. I, I, I'm still, um, I'm still whelmed by pretty much everything Marvel, but it does look fun. And I like Taika Waititi and um, I like Christian yeah. Bale as a sexy balding creepy Voldemort and just just to be completely brutally honest the fact that they blow all of that Chris Hemsworth gets a full nude scene is is fun um and there is Dora the God Butcher what do you think of Christian Bale Daniel yeah. as the villain um I I think that's a great cast I mean I so personally I don't know Gore too too well from the comics obviously nobody he's does. out slaying gods uh, no nobody not not a single person mm -hmm. um but yeah, I feel like Christian Bale as a Marvel villain, I could see working really well. You know, he goes he he goes all the way. He commits. 
to the roles. So that's true. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be good. He loses the weight. He gains the weight. He's is he like in that's black right. and white? What's the deal with the cinematography on him? Is he like living a black and white world or something? So that looks like it was whatever that specific place was, because Thor was in a kind of a more black and white shot there too um so yeah i don't they're gonna be fighting somewhere where the color is negatived out which i'm okay (laughs) with i feel like the nice thing with the taika waititi um thor movies is that they are really fun he's not afraid to do goofy stuff i feel like he doesn't take himself too seriously no which fits this style really well and uh, you know the older thor movies were they were good, but they did take themselves more seriously. Like they were still funny, but they weren't laughing at themselves the way that, that the character has since Taika Waititi took over. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I feel like, I I mean, Marvel it's, they never put out bad stuff, but I feel like this could be one of their better recent movies. I mean, we won't know until we see it, but Taika Waititi is a pretty much golden child. And also, I like uh, Christian's comment. Yes, yeah. the, the mechanic versus Thor. Although, Christian, I can um, I love being pedantic about film and TV. I think you mean The Machinist, the movie where Christian Bale lost like a million pounds to uh, <laughs> play an incredibly thin yeah. person. So that's just me being the obnoxious guy at a party who can't let a thing yeah. slide. And has to correct you on the tiniest little detail. What do you think? So like we talk about Christian Bale's method acting, the things he committed to for the, for the machinist. What do you think he did for this role? How did he commit to Gore? I think he became a walking black. I mean, well, look at him. He's, he, 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 he looks all haggard and uh, emaciated and has like this kind of gross uh, plum eating smile. I'm sure he went, I'm sure he was Gore. I'm sure he inhabited Gore. I'm sure he was like, what would a dark God killing monster really be like? Who would he be? What's his backstory? And he just dug into it and he sunk in there and yeah. he wouldn't break what character would when, they, when they called cut. And he was really annoying. And, um, you know, he would only be, they'd be like, Christian, you're on in five. And he's like, who? Who's Christian? He's like, Gore, you're on in five. And he's like, okay, well, then, then I'm going to go over here. And I'm sure it was just the worst, but I'm sure the performance will be fun. Yeah. As long as the performance is good, right. I feel like it'll be worth it. But yeah, I think this one's going to be good. We'll, we'll see. The jury's out. We won't know till we see it. But all in all, I'm pretty happy with this first look at Gore. I think Natalie Portman... It was nice to see a bit more of her in this trailer too. kind of get a feel for how she would be coming onto the scene, not as a damsel, not as it seems like she will be entering the scene as an already established hero, which is really cool because we haven't caught up with that character in quite a while. So I think that's a smart way to take it. Yeah. And no one wants a freaking, uh, you know, uh, origin story. Oh, um, by the way, hello to the CW spiral who is yeah. uh, on the YouTube feed. Good to see you. The fact that Dan is still whelmed by Marvel will never not be hey, funny. Hey. Well, CW Spiral, overwhelm me. Like, or just, just if you want me to not be whelmed, then stop <laughs> whelming me. Do something incredible. Uh, I'll see it. Anyway, moving on, because we want to get to the main event for today. Um, before we get into our spoiler-free early review of Stranger Things Season 4 coming out this Friday on Netflix, um, let's hit some George R.R. R. Martin, a yeah. song by his entire author, Game of Thrones creator, fire and blood writer. George R.R. R. Martin has been making the rounds lately. He's been hitting the press trail, I think mostly for House of the Dragon, because yeah. it's coming up in the near future. He was at a Santa Fe literary festival, which is his hometown. In case anybody's worried... 
that he took time out of his writing schedule to travel halfway around the world to attend a con. He, he, went, to like a, he went to like a Santa Fe in his backyard convention, was on stage, talked for a bit, and he did have a couple of interesting things to say. So I figured we would kind of hit that a little bit and see if any of you out there agree with his takes. Because with George R. R. Martin, it, it, it's always that issue of he says anything, all anybody wants him to say is the Winds of Winter is finished. But he is a smart guy, and I do, <laughs> I did like what he said about the forthcoming inevitable rivalry between the House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones show coming out in August, and the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. the Rings of Power, the new Lord of the Rings show coming out right after in early September. He's basically saying, because he's working on House of the Dragon, he's basically saying, you know, there's really no reason, I don't know why everybody pits these two shows against each other. That, that said, I'm a little competitive. If the Rings of Power win six semis, and I hope they do, <laughs> I hope House of the Dragon wins seven. So he's saying, like, I don't know why they pit them against each other, but uh, we are fighting each other, and I hope we win. So there's an inherent irony there that I like. Basically, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. basically what he said. I, I think that's hilarious. I'm, I'm totally down with the irony. Kudos you, George. You, you do you. Yes. And then he also had some interesting things to say about um, sort of, well, first of all, he did acknowledge Winds of Winter. He said, I get the Winds of Winter is late. We all know that. I can get a hundred good comments, but then we talked about kind of um, the transformation of fan discourse online. Because remember, this is a guy who was online before he got really famous. Like this is a guy who was doing basically live journal stuff type stuff. It was not, it was a, not a blog on a live journal. It was close enough where he would just kind of go on, update people. And then yeah. he got to experience in real time, like this sort of blowing up of his fame, right. As like internet discourse started to get really heated. And now he doesn't allow comments on his posts because he'll just get, you know, spam with why aren't you writing things kind of comments. So he was talking about how, uh, I love the fans, although I do think Twitter and the internet and social media has brought out a viciousness I never saw in the old days. The love and hate are very close, particularly with comic books or any established franchises. And he goes on to say that I get that the winds of winter yeah. is late. He knows it. I can get a hundred good comments, but there's still going to be a few fans out there who can remind me of it on my blog or whatever. I say, happy Thanksgiving. And they say, never mind Thanksgiving. Where's the book? Which is the state of um, things. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just kind of normal. I just like the idea that yeah. it, it, to me, uh, I'm going to say a short spiel and then I want your take because there's a bit of a, a thing. Like, I think it's funny that George R. R. Martin seems to, have, seems to have come at the internet from like that older person viewpoint, like an early nerd who was like, the internet is going to be great. It's going to democratize everything. It's going to allow people who share passions mm-hmm. uh, to really find each other and really enjoy what they enjoy together online. And he's still coming around to what we know now, which is the internet is a machine for creating mass misinformation and nonsense. And that people say things without meaning it. And that, you know, if there's yeah. an opportunity to kind of just say something horrid, it seems to tickle a part of the lizard brain. That's really fun. And they just kind of do it. Um, and I just like watching the slow, like realization crash into reality. Um, and I'm glad that's happening in a wider space and it's fun to watch it happen in the evolution of George R. R. Martin's comments. Your response, Daniel. 
Roman. Yeah, I feel like, so I've been following Georgia's blog probably since like a couple of years after a feast for crows came out and like, let's say like 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really fascinating to watch the evolution of comments and people badgering him on his blog. Cause he didn't always have comments closed and he kind of went through this with a dance uh, with dragons where people were always getting on him about when is the book coming out? Are you still working on it? But the discourse was more civil then even, and this is like 2009 we'll say right as game of Thrones is getting ready to start airing and it, it was more civil. So it it makes him sound like an old guy to be like, (laughs) Oh, it's brought out this viciousness. I never saw in the old days, but at the same time, like, if you look at his blog as a microcosm of the internet, he's not wrong because now it's to the point where, like he said, he, he can't say happy Thanksgiving without people getting on him about the book. <laughs> I think it, the internet, I mean, it's definitely brought out a different kind of fan entitlement because the access is greater, right? Like it used to be anonymous people, like how could, for them to badger George R. R. Martin to write a book, they would have to write him emails or letters or something. Now it's as easy as responding to a tweet. So yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's probably feels really surreal for, for him as someone who, you know, was selling short stories in like the seventies um, <laughs> who could have imagined where we'd be now. Um, so yeah, I, I don't blame him for kind of having that perspective. And I, I don't blame him for drawing boundaries. I feel like when you're in the position he's in where he's become a celebrity over the past decade, like a, a celebrity author, which is different than just a famous one. It means yes, you can't yes, yes, yes. have a normal trip to the airport without getting approached by people. Yeah, he's got to do what he's got to do. So do you think there's another author who is as much of a celebrity as an author, a celebrity author? I can't really think of many like. Someone like James Patterson or um, who's the rainbow say like Tom Clancy, life's dead, are like really big names. Yeah. I'm not sure they're recognized though. George R. R. Martin like doesn't just have a, a big name and fame. He has like a costume he wears, those damn suspenders and the beard and that turtle hat. Like, yeah. like oh, J.K. Rowling, of course, yeah, yeah. Tasha, obviously. Yes, 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 yes. You're, you're, you're 100% right. Yes. She's she the other one. Yeah. I think, I think she's the only other one, you know, Stephen King too, maybe. Oh, Stephen um, King. There I, are tons. To me, <laughs> those are the, the three. I can't think of another author who is as visibly recognizable. And I think part of that for George too, is that he looks physically distinctive. Like you said, it's basically like he's like his cot. It's not a costume. It's like his regular clothing, but like he has such a distinctive look that it can easily become a costume. You're not going to mix him up with your cousin at the airport. You Um, could dress as George R. R. Martin for Halloween and people would know what you're doing. You know, like you probably couldn't dress like J.K. Rowling. I don't think so. Or or even Stephen King. Unless you want to like to have been really distasteful or something, which I have some ideas for. But I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, again, a part of that's just, he's got a distinctive look and he's been rocking it for decades. So yeah, <laughs> he stays consistent. Yeah. 
It's part I, of the brand. I, don't, I can't think of another author who would inspire Halloween costumes. Neil Gaiman, maybe a little bit. Like he has a distinctive look, but it's not as it's not as suspenders beard, but whatever. But yes, he's a celebrity. He's dealing with it. It's fun to watch. And we'll no. check and, and we'll check back in on this when there's another update, which I'm we're all hoping there will be of a good kind soon. And now, Daniel. Yeah. Oh, eh. Edgar Allan Poe, says Richard, yes. The classic Edgar Allan Poe look, which is um, um, a sad, distant eyes, big old mustache, uh, gray suit, and just like uh, uh, liquor bottles hanging out of every pocket he has. Just like he brings one, just like blows it up. The C- uh, Stephanie Meyer, CW Spiral, says, I don't know what Stephanie Meyer looks like. Is she, is she really famous? Or like hugely recognizable? Time will tell. Anyway, Daniel, and all I mean, she's there. pretty famous. I, I yeah, it gets name. hard when you start. Maybe that's the next level of fame. It's like you're really famous, and then you're Halloween costume famous. And Stephanie Meyer is pretty famous, but I don't know if she's Halloween costume famous. I couldn't tell you like what her hair color is. But uh, anyway, Daniel, I would like to get into um, our main course for the day, which is you and I, you know, me and you, you and I, yeah. I and you, have both seen the first seven episodes us. of the us that's a good one of the fourth season of the netflix supernatural coming of age drama bill doug's roman drama uh stranger things a ooh, a, ooh, a, nice. a right bill doug's roman. remember that bill doug's roman the weird word for a coming of age story which we yeah, can yeah. all go and use in our scrabble personal lives um the show's went out for three seasons it's was a hit from the start. It is a, you know, original uh, sci-fi piece about these kids living in an Indiana town that is beset by interdimensional monsters. I always liked the show. I, for whatever reason, I never really loved it, but I always liked it. I always respected it. And I think this fourth season has pretty much stayed the course for me because they're released in two parts, people. They're, the first seven episodes coming out this Friday. And the final two will come out in July. So, Daniel, my first question to you is, you've watched the first seven episodes. Did you enjoy Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 1, Go? I have. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It took me a little while to get going. I, I can't lie, when I started watching it, my first couple of episodes, I was kind of like, expecting more to happen each episode because they're long uh we can't spoilers away but uh, the robot said no spoilers. i think it's safe to say that there's not a single episode that is under an hour i stopped once i kind of shelved my expectations of i wonder if more is going to happen per episode and what have you i really enjoyed it i think it might be it might be my favorite yeah it might be my favorite season of stranger things now that i'm into it i think it's got a good villain i think the length works for it actually um how about you did how did you feel about this season of stranger things i like it um i wasn't correct stranger things i i've always had a bit of a i enjoy it it's good. It's well made. Like this thing, you know what I like about Stranger Things the most? The, my favorite thing about Stranger yeah. Things is the passion and love the team puts into it. You can tell that everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera are really giving their all and they are really just um, 
true believers in what they're doing. Like it's down to all the tiny details yeah. in the period costumes and like all the, 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 the references they make and in all the way they build some of the action sequences, some of the dramatic sequences, like you can see the Duffer brothers, that much of the, the, the guys who made it like kind of living out their memories of bullying maybe. Cause there's some very intense uh, teenage drama stuff going on in the first couple episodes, especially you can see them just gorging themselves yeah. on this 80s genre stuff. I mean, Stephen King, we already talked about stuff like uh, It is a lot of influence in here. Uh, Steven Spielberg kind of, um, it's, oh, like E.T. is a big influence on this. Just kind of this story about young people growing up, a, a budding supernatural horror. Now, honestly, you said the first two episodes, you could have said you could you wanted to move a little faster. I was a little disappointed. To me, this season is very kind of split. The first two episodes are more getting into the kids' lives. Like, what is it like? How are they just into like high school? Like the younger kids are in high school now. And how are they dealing with social ostracization and kind of being on the outside? We have a thread with Lucas, the Kel McLaughlin, who's kind of a basketball star, and he's trying to like move it up. Uh, we have Eleven getting brutally bullied, like really almost comically over-exaggerated in terms of like the bullying stuff going on with this one girl who bullies her, who's just is such the prototypical mean, blonde, horrible, awful, like a mean girl that I, it, 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 it was almost parody. Um, yeah. And then after that though, like the supernatural kind of plot kind of goes in hard and we kind of lose all connection back to the real world, you know, like Joyce Winona Ryder goes on her little mission and yeah. suddenly the government gets involved and the CIA, NSA, FBI is, you know, tracking these people. And of course there's this new villain who's killing folk from Hawkins and just, I wish that it maintained like more of a connection to real life, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fair. I didn't miss it. Um, I up screw real life late into the season. Yeah, yeah. I'm not watching this show for real life about 80s monsters. No, I felt like they they did a good job of still grounding the real life in terms of like the characters' relationships. Like even when they're doing all this supernatural crap, they still stop to talk about their friendships and their relationships enough that. Honestly, even like deep into the season, I almost felt like it, it, the show almost felt more like a, a high school or teen drama sprinkled with paranormal stuff, as opposed to a paranormal show sprinkled with high school teen drama stuff. Um, so I think mileage may vary there in terms of how much high school stuff you want. They kind of did this thing. And, and again, this is not really a spoiler. They worked around the school calendar to make it so that they didn't need to worry about it for the entire season. They did. I don't know. I could have used more. I just it, it's it, with um Joyce, Winona Ryder's character too, has just this plot that's just very disconnected from reality that I could have used some more grounding. But I take your point that you didn't mind it. Yeah, I thought it could have been fair. a little more integrated. Like I like I the don't first disagree with most. that about Joyce. Can I see this? What did you think of? There's been a lot of press around a spooky new villain. 
His name is Vecna. He looks like uh, the Night King if his skin were grimmer, darker, and uh, patchier. He is mean. He's bad. He <laughs> murders kids. Um, were you frightened by this new monstrosity, Daniel? Yeah. Could you elaborate? Um, no. <laughs> no, I, I did not. You know, part of it is the hype, I think, because this season, every time anyone talks about this season, they talk about how scary it is. And it's all relative, right? Like, I grew up loving, like, so, like the movies that inspired Stranger Things. So things like mm-hmm. A Nightmare on Elm Street and Aliens, which are hard. They're terrifying compared to this. Sure. Um, so I think I think Vecna, there are things that I think are scary about him as Throughout the season as a whole, I think Vecna is a great villain. However, out of the gate scariness, it was not as scary as I thought. I actually, so I just finished rewatching season one last mm-hmm. night. I think the Demogorgon was scarier because it was so much uh, more unknowable, I guess. Because um, yeah. again, I, I, I don't think this is a big spoiler. We see it from the trailers, but Vecna speaks <laughs> yeah, and, and the demigorgon doesn't so you never really get a, a feel for like what does the demigorgon want well it just wants to come eat you so good luck <laughs> so yeah i think in some ways stranger things has had scarier villains but i think overall seeing it from the finish line i think mm-hmm. i think vecna is going to really please fans is what i'll say how about you i agree with you that they save it at the end the final episode is is the best one. Uh, if 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 you're watching this feeling bored and wondering if it's worth getting all the way through, I think it is. Um, but honestly, I thought he was kind of a failure. I thought he was a bit of a flop. Like the first, like the most of the season, most of his episodes, you can feel them trying so hard to make Vecna seem scary, like with the you know canted angles and the booty music, and then the the deep guttural voice. Of just like, it's time to end your pain. And I'm not going to lie. I thought it failed. I thought we saw way too much of him. I thought we saw like both in like terms of his screen time and just like seeing his entire body, his entire face and hearing him speak. It did not work for me. I I, I didn't feel tension like and they don't have him. He kills people, which is cool. Uh, but he, he at this point, um, Stranger Things hasn't really convinced me it's going to kill anybody we know. Because when yeah. it killed one person, Hopper, last season, it brought him back very publicly. That, that's not that, that's not a spoiler. Um, he's back, and I don't like that he's back. No. So just um, I think they have a hard time selling me on the danger of it. And the fact that Vecna was a little chatterbox, and he didn't say, like, when Freddy Krueger talked, it was, like, entertaining. Like, when Vecna talks, it's, it's, it's very off the back yeah. of the dime store horror novels sort of stuff. So I, I wasn't terribly uh, amused by it or terrified by it. I thought he flopped. Yeah, I didn't like it until there's a twist part of the way through that I thought really rehabilitated him. But we can't say what that is. But honestly, nah, yeah. nah, a boot on Vecna for me. Fair, fair enough. What did you think about the lengths of the episodes because these are long the the episode seven is longer than the nightmare on elm street you think it works (laughs) i totally did yeah i know that you had some problems with it but um yeah i never really 
I never looked at the clock um, while I was watching these. I thought they passed by pretty fleetly. Uh, the early ones, I really enjoyed a lot. That last one, I was entertained all the way through. So I liked the season, by the way, just because I had some problems with it. I know that, but I know you have some issues. Um, yeah, I did not mind the lengths. I, I, I thought it worked. I mean, maybe I could find like some meta textual complaints about it, that it speaks to growing egos on the part of the producers or what is TV anyway now. Um, but while I was watching, I enjoyed the episodes and I never really felt like, let's hurry this along. I got to pick up the kids from the sitter, wrap it up. How about you, Daniel? Yeah, that's fair. I think so. I was never bored with the lengths. I never felt like, ah, oh, this should have been shorter. The main thing that I came around to with, with the lengths of the episodes was just wondering if it could have been a more exciting story. If, if things had been a little more condensed, it felt oh, like yeah. there was a lot of fluff. It was great fluff and enjoyable fluff, but I did like, we'll say like bullying scenes. There were a lot of bullying scenes. Mm -hmm. I wondered if they could have just made the same points with less scenes, but I think by the time, I think the lengths are actually fascinating. It feels like stranger mm -hmm. things is really doing something we haven't seen it before maybe in terms of like marrying television and movies this season oh. um, that only a platform like Netflix would let them get away with. Because like once I got out of the mindset of like, these are long episodes of television and started thinking of it more like these are almost like short movies with a regular length movie as the <laughs> seventh episode, I started enjoying it a lot more and yeah, I think in terms of like the bit, it's very bingeable. I, I I made this point in one of my reviews for, that will be out this weekend about this, that like the even though it feels like some episodes don't move over much throughout them because you can watch them all, um, it kind of alleviates that. I, I think if this were airing week to week, mm. it would have bugged me a lot more. And this one thing I will say, if you uh, watching have been wondering whether you should rewatch Stranger Things before the new season, I would actually recommend rewatching it after you watch the new season because hey. it, this season fascinatingly leads perfectly into a rewatch. That's I won't spoil hmm. why I won't spoil how, but it it is like set up to make you rewatch basically the early seasons by the time you finish volume one. I have a follow-up question about that, Daniel. But first, Christian's comment. Can a longer episode length keep the yeah. audience off kilter? I don't think so. I mean, I will point out, Daniel, you're saying like, it's number four. There's another show, another show called uh, Game of Thrones that toward the end of its life uh, started to have really long episodes to the point where it was like short little movies. And this was the Game of Thrones season. I think mm -hmm. we're still living in the, in, in the shadow of that final season of Game of Thrones or the show in general. It's going to be, it's more and more common yeah. for episodes oh, totally. to, get lo to get longer and longer. So I think that whole kind of blending of the movies and TV thing has been but, going on for a while. I don't know how much longer it can go on. But not to this extent. I guess we yeah. haven't had like a proper, not to that this was extent, a proper though. movie. That final one was a proper movie. And yeah. I did like it. Can I ask you and this? Episode so, nine... Oh, it's like two and a half hours. It's a long movie. It's it's a it's a two. That's long like movie. the Dark Knight. Yeah, that's I think that's longer yeah. than Doctor Strange and the Madness and the Multiverse or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's 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 pretty easily. Intense. Yeah, it's longer than Thor: Love and Thunder. So yeah, is it ambition 
or is it indulgence? I guess we'll find out when it happens. But um, part of me is like, if you want to make a movie, why don't you go make a movie? Like you're making TV, like make a TV show, make an episode. Like the point of TV is you make episodes that you can like watch like one or two at a time or one at a time, like on your lunch break or during dinner or something like a two and a half hour thing. You are not making TV anymore. You're making something else. And I guess we'll see whether that breaks into new horizons or whether it'll be a a separate failure. Also, we do have um, Blatru on the YouTube says, do we check the comments? We do Blatruth. Um, They're on Facebook and YouTube and we kind of go back and forth. And thank you, Lord Crackhead for which is a good week. Oh, actually, Blatruth has a really good question for you, Daniel. Um, How is Sadie Sink? Oh my God. Sadie Sink is amazing. Um, As Max. To me, was one of the MVPs of the season. Yeah, yeah, Max, she was one of the absolute was, MVPs yeah. of the season. Um that she was fantastic. Um I Max was like I liked Max before this season. After this season she's one of my favorite characters easily. Um she so, yeah, has I, one she of the was great episodes, yeah. Uh totally agree. And yeah, the I that's so to tie things back around to what we were talking about lengthwise, I think what what you said about like you're not making TV anymore when it's a two and a half hour thing, you're making movies, make a movie. That's what I feel like gave me problems with this season. It was an expectation adjustment because it is like at that point, you're basically making a show with a movie as a finale. Yes, you are. So yeah, it is it feels different because of that. Even like Game of Thrones, they were movie length, but they still felt like episodes of television, I think, more than this does. More than episode seven of this or episode nine are going to. I enjoyed it, though. I'd never problem with this. We'll see when we get to two and a half hour one. Okay, I have a question that I want to ask you. (laughs) As Lord Crackhead says, I hope the Dark Phoenix moment has a good explanation. And uh, it does. I think after you watch the first episode, you'll have a good idea of what's happening there. So, yeah, we can't say what's happening, but it yep. makes it makes sense. And, sh- and, and and she does have a really strong climactic moment that is part emotional catharsis, part 80s music video, part supernatural um, 2001-esque yep. trippy mind explosion. It was good. It was a, it's a good bit. Um, OK, Daniel, yeah. I have a a question that I'm going to ask you and the challenge for both of us here is to not uh, reveal spoilers. You said that you, that this leads right into a rewatch. So I haven't rewatched it. You have, although I've watched all the same things that you have. Can I ask you this? When you rewatch it, does it feel like the big twists from season four were planned? Like, do you see shadows of them in the earlier seasons or hints or does it feel like they fashioned it to kind of retrofit onto the earlier stuff, provide a, a retrospective explanation, but no spoilers. Um, I think, okay. So no spoilers. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that I would say it feels like it was always planned. I, I, it, rewatching it. It's not like, Oh yes, I can see this is what they were moving toward the whole time. But I think what they did in season four meshes together so well that Mm -hmm. there's never a moment where it feels like they had to struggle to retcon. Like they very comfortably like colored around the lines that they had already made 
to to broaden the mythos of the show and th- it's a it really impressed me the amount of callbacks they managed to sneak into season 4 back to the first season and rewatching the first season how many like little throwaway lines became relevant in season 4 um to the degree that like uh so I uh, will avoid spoilers here someone mentions Penhurst Asylum in the very first episode of season 1 that is a place that all we'll say is it's relevant this season and it hasn't really been relevant any other season sure. so there are things like that where it's like wow whether they plan this or not they certainly the continuity feels <laughs> like it's there as christian says so like lost so they're kind not of uh, like pending things as they go and hoping it all hangs together into a form of continuity. <laughs> not, not like Lost. I also, okay, I also like Blood True's nah, question. Way, not like Lost. Way better than Lost. <laughs> way better than Lost. I never saw Lost. I also like Blood True's question. And uh, does Will have an unrequited crush on Eleven's boyfriend, Mike? The season isn't over, but honestly, Blood True, that occurred to yeah. me while, while watching this season. And I, I fully thought that's where they were going to go because it, if he doesn't have a, if they're not doing like a young coming out gay thing, it's going to feel like a cop out at this point because there's a lot of setup for it. And I wonder if that's the direction they're going to go in the latter half of the season. But so far in this season, it's just like he's young and awkward and misses his friend. But if they don't do it, it's a queer baiting hate crime. I'll say that. No, it's not. I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> I, I was watching it yeah, being like, oh, I agree. Totally I agree with that. To like him being interested in Mike, right? That's got to be it. This is this is very very giving that vibe. But so far, no. But yeah, more episodes. We'll I see. wondered that too. Too. <laughs> but uh, any other final thoughts, Dan? Yol Roman on the upcoming fourth season of Stranger Things Volume One. I don't think so. I think we hit on everything we can talk about without giving anything away. So I. Yeah, I'll just say I think it was one of the better seasons of the show. Mm. It might be my favorite season of the show. And yeah, it's it's good. I think we're going to be talking about this for one for a while. Ooh. How about you? Closing that, thoughts? That finale is going to have people talking. I guarantee that finale is going to have people talking. And I'm looking forward to it. It was the best one. I want to talk about yeah. it. I'm excited for the thing to come out so I can talk about what happens in the finale. Um, there are some fun twists. I wish the rest yeah, of the same. season were a little uh, more better put together so we can get there faster, but it's solid. It's good TV. The finale makes it worth it. And no, Natalie, I've never seen Lost. I don't know. I just kind of skipped that one. I, I'm, 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 I'm not sure how it slipped past me. I was busy when that thing was on. I was in school. Is the thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's out on May 27th. It's coming up in a couple of days. If you have Netflix, feel free to enjoy. And if you don't have Netflix, they surely want you to subscribe because they are losing subscribers for the first time ever, which is pretty exciting, I think. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. It feels like the bubble's bursting a little bit on the streaming wars. It, it, it does. It's very, it's very cool. I mean, it couldn't keep growing forever. There are only so many people in the freaking world who, with like with internet subscriptions. Yeah. Like you just can't, I, I said before, it's unless true. Netflix starts like laying internet infrastructure in countries that don't currently have it, they've kind of hit a cap. Like there's nowhere to go, but down, uh, which is fun. I like that. And there's more competition. Yeah. So it's all good. 
Anyway, Daniel, should we move on to the final segment? The patented, not really. The trademark, but not really. Uh, the signature WIC News Lightning Round. I th- Yeah, I think maybe we should. Maybe we should. Let us lightning. Ooh, okay, before that, really quick. One second. Uh, Blutcher has a very good question <laughs> on uh, the YouTube. Can you rank the four storylines based, based on how much you like them? Okay, blah, a one spoiler thing is there are actually five. And I'm going to see if I can rank them real quick without spoiling anything. The f- best one is definitely overall 11s because of the ending mostly. Second is the kids in Hawkins. Yeah, the kids in Hawkins doing their thing. Ugh. And then we have like stuff in California and stuff around Hopper, both of which are varying levels of whatever. That's mine. Yeah, I, I, oh man, I, um, I can't decide if I agree with that. So mostly agree. I would put Hawkins first for me. I would put 11 second. I would put probably the Russia one third Hopper's Hopper storyline third. And then California's dead last for me. No, no contest. I was, I, I felt like they did a little bit of a disservice. They didn't really know what to do with the characters in California. That was one of my biggest beefs with volume one. I was, I had such high hopes for this new sprawl thing they were doing. And it started off pretty strong, but I don't know. P- perhaps this show isn't meant to like have lots of storylines going at once because it's, it's never... It never quite worked out the way it did in Game of Thrones, but we are going to move on. I mean, it did in earlier seasons. So like season one had a bunch of plot lines running at once, but they were were all all like circling each other. So it didn't feel like they had four or five plot lines because they were so close that it was like lots of near misses and and doesn't now it still has the same plot lines but they're so far apart that it doesn't feel that way anymore right so yeah i agree i don't know that i don't know if that is going to make the show stronger in the long run jury's out i think season five will be okay 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 we got it It will be a little better as everything kind of gets pulled back in it was good looking forward to it all right julie wants the lightning round we're going to give her the lightning round i'm sorry for interrupting you daniel but i wanted to answer that question please proceed no, it was necessary. It was totally <laughs> necessary. Thanks for uh, for <laughs> for pausing for the rankings is never the wrong choice. Oh, I love okay, rankings. So things. lightning round. I think I'm going to read to you first, and it's about Netflix. So cool. Netflix. Speaking of Netflix and all their records and trials and tribulations. Uh, Netflix's live-action Avatar The Last Airbender remake just set a Guinness World Record for the world's largest LED stage. Yeah, technically, it's like the stage is the biggest stage ever made in the world, and they're filming on it. They're kind of helping set the record. It's kind of cool how the streaming wars are coming to a bit of a middle, but the TV show Arms Race is only heating up. Who can spend the most money, do the most stuff, be the most elaborate it's going to be cool to watch them but try and top each other that was what we call perfect ladies and gentlemen yeah all right daniel um agree the movie feature film motion picture everything everywhere all at once breaks a domestic box office record for a24 films yeah i think that's wonderful um it was a wildly original and fun movie it's great to see it uh setting records like this 
Um, it, it's only earned like 50 million at the box office, but for an independent film in this age of superhero movies, it's doing really well. So I think that's great. Yeah. Always want to praise originality wow. in something that's not I don't know if Richard's just based. being kind to me on the buzzer or what. It's over now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So speaking of things that are franchise based. Oh, no. And uh, maybe, maybe having a little bit of problems. Uh, the Amber Heard uh, Johnny Depp trial is going on right now. It's, it's uh-huh. all sorts of stuff. And it came out through that that Jason Momoa reportedly fought to keep Amber Heard from getting fired from Aquaman 2. Thoughts? Why would you put this on here? Now I have to weigh in on this hot potato of an issue and I'm going to be like pilloried on Twitter. Um, yeah, that was the report. But apparently <laughs> they came back the next day and another witness said that's not what happened. So... That trial is where the truth goes to die. And I'm just uh, looking forward to it being over. That's what we call perfect, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I mean, okay. Here's a controversial one for you. Warner Bros. is committed to making more Harry Potter stuff and will yeah. be meeting with J.K. Rowling to discuss the franchise's future, possibly on HBO Max, is what I heard. Yeah. So I. <sighs> I don't enjoy this. I feel like Harry Potter has already become such a cat. It just feels like everyone has tried to cash in on it so hard. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, if she wanted to do more Harry Potter, I wish she'd write more books. Instead, I feel like they're just trying to make money <laughs> any way they can. And I'm kind of over it. Yeah. Harry okay. Potter. More like Harry, not her. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that was a burn worthy of Slytherin. No, it was terrible. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Dan, Timothy, Timothy Ennis, Uh who played King Edward on the last kingdom, didn't want to film one crucial scene of season five when everybody turns on him and tells him he's a jerk. Yeah. I recall that scene. I mean, I recall the, the interview is not like I refused to film it. It was more just, um, he didn't want to play the scene where his character is, is, is the asshole, is the bad guy, which makes sense. But he did it. It was a good scene. I remember that scene. Uh, solid season. Good show. Movie coming up. What fun. Uh, it's about all I have to say about that. I am a perfect human being. I'm getting all of these just ideal on the nose. Okay. Um, Dan, there's a fun one for you. Uh, the third season of The Boys, the Amazon Prime video superhero show, will include a plot line called Herogasm that involves a superhero orgy. Uh, they're going to turn up the raunch even further, which is going to be hard because that show has been pretty raunchy and gross already. Interested? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's hilarious. Uh, they're doing this basically because people have been daring them to do it since season one like the show was getting made and whenever they told people they were making the show apparently they responded like oh you're not doing hero gasm right you won't do it i dare you so at this point amazon can't say no to them as easily so they just said we're gonna do it <laughs> the boys lovely the boys the boys i'm looking forward to it. i got screeners right. today i'm looking forward to that Ooh, nice nice Boy, it's gonna be weeks. fun i guess it will it, it's like the one thing you can always count on the boys to be entertaining always. Um, okay, Dan. So the, the CW, uh, they canceled Riverdale. The network's cancellation spree continues. 
Yes. So they did, but also, no, they didn't cancel Riverdale. Like Riverdale is seven seasons into its life. When do you get canceled when you're six seasons going on seven? It's not canceled. It's just an end. So um, I thought that one was a bit of like, like an appending Fair. onto the whole cancel thing, but they are cleaning house over that network. Yeah. Perfect game. Perfect game. Perfect game. Boom. Perfect game. We're going to try for that last <laughs> one. Okay. Nice. 200 in bowling or 300. What's the high one in bowling? Whatever. Okay. Uh, Daniel, you're the penultimate one. Disney Plus, this is a big one, is developing a new Daredevil series. I assume one starring Charlie Cox from the old Daredevil Netflix series. Yeah. I. So I'm obviously I'm excited to see more Daredevil. I'm nervous because the old Daredevil was so edgy that like there's no way Disney is going to do something that edgy as the old Daredevil. So whenever I think about them making more Daredevil stuff, I think about the Kingpin wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And that's my microcosm <laughs> for fear. That is a very good point. Yes, I, 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 have, I have the exact same feeling. We'll see what happens, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. All right, Dan, the final lightning round. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Stranger Things creators, Matt and Ross Duffer, have a reported meltdown after a tie-in monopoly goes on sale early and spoils major plot points from season four. I mean, that's pretty funny. I mean, my main question is, now that you and I have seen the season, like, what do you think was on those community chess cards? Like, what could they have spoiled? that got the Duffer brothers so mad, like what's being revealed as you pass go and don't collect 200 stranger things dollars. Like that's what I'm really wondering about. Um, I think they're too precious about spoilers. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to call that so, my best. Yeah. Lightning performance ever. That was a pretty good one. And for the spoiler thing, I will just say, since we've seen volume one, there is at least one card that got spoiled that has not happened yet. That is from volume two. So it is like some late game, not, not plot, like major plot events, but there are things that haven't happened by the end of volume one that are on those cards. So I can understand them getting mad. <laughs> I mean, there's a bigger question to be answered there, but that's the lightning man. We got to end it there. We can do it another episode yeah. on um, the perils yeah. of merchandising and the relationship between art and commerce and all of that hot garbage but for right now it's the end of our show i, like I had a it. lot of fun i had a lot of fun with you dan talking to you a lot of fun with everybody out there in internet land cw spiral by the way says yeah, that right no one sad about riverdale being canceled it was time i mean seven seasons that's 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 a long life for most tv shows that's not like being cut off of the knees before it's time anyway we do yeah. this little show of ours every wednesday at 4 p.m central standard time on the winners coming facebook page and the winner is coming youtube page we're also available in podcast format wherever podcasts are available be it google play be it itunes be it any other place we download podcasts and remember it's the only podcast hosted co-hosted by a wick news lightning round perfect game getter dan selkie until next time, everybody, goodbye. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.